0: Back
1: to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing
0: high into the air. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins' official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the kid in me is excited right now. We are flashing it back to 2008 and the implementation of the Wildcat offense, that famed game, the 2008 victory over the New England Patriots that sparked an 11-3 finish to that season and an AFC East crown. We are going to talk to 2008 MVP runner-up, Dolphins quarterback, Chad Pennington on his thoughts on that game on this Friday, April the 17th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And off the lead of the show, you heard me talk about being an excited kid back in the day of that 2008 game, watching the Dolphins just run rough shot over the New England Patriots for a big blowout victory in week three of that 2008 season. And really going into that game, the Dolphins were 0-2. The initial game of that season against the New York Jets, a home game, was a close one and one the Dolphins had a chance to pull out late. It didn't happen that way, and then week two, you go to Arizona, and that game wasn't even close, so you head into the week three game thinking maybe this could be a game, even without Tom Brady, that the Dolphins don't have much of a chance to get a W in. I don't think many fans were expecting a positive outcome that day, but my goodness, was that the wrong mentality? One of the most memorable games since the turn of the century for this organization, And I know I said that I was a kid during that game, but I was 20 years old, so maybe not too young. But this game tends to bring out the kid in all of us and none better than that Wildcat game just watching Miami score touchdown after touchdown. And one of my favorite anecdotes from that game My brother at the time was going to Washington State University at the Pullman campus, and our hometown was about two hours away, so he would drive down every Sunday to watch the Dolphins with me, and we were both in the same fantasy football league, and on balance, this trade we made wound up being pretty even that year, but I'll never forget the trade because of what happened on that Sunday. I gave him... Kurt Warner and LaDainian Tomlinson, and he gave me Ronnie Brown and Aaron Rodgers. I was buying that Rodgers stock early on in his career, just his second year starting at that point, I believe. And again, on balance, the trade wound up being pretty even by the end of the fantasy football season, but not on that Sunday, man. I had Ronnie Brown five touchdowns and cruise to victory, one of my favorite games in Dolphins' memory. And who better to come on the podcast here on the Drive Time podcast and tell us about that warm fall day? Foxborough that turned into an absolute route and sparked an 11-3 and finish en route to an AFC East title Then quarterback Chad Pennington. And joining the podcast now is the Dolphins quarterback and MVP runner-up for the 2008 season, Chad Pennington. Chad, thanks for jumping on here with me, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: First off, I got to ask you, because it's kind of a crazy time right now. Everything's kind of up in the air, sports and and otherwise. How are you doing? How's the family? You guys staying safe during the shelter in place?
1: We are extremely blessed to be on a small farm here in Lexington, Kentucky. And so uh, we do have our space and social distancing intact. I think our biggest challenge for Robin and me would be the homeschooling aspect of school. We have three boys. And so uh, trying to get all three boys through a homeschool day is quite the challenge.
0: What's your uh, What's your go-to subject when you're kind of struggling? Do you have like a certain thing you fall back on?
1: <laughs> well, right now, fifth grade is really challenging me. In <laughs> science, we're doing a roller coaster lab. We're writing fantasy stories and language arts. Uh, we are studying World War II and social studies. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm being challenged. I feel like I'm going to fifth grade all over again.
0: So it's like, is Chad Pennington smarter than a fifth grader?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sometimes I feel that I am, sometimes I feel that I'm not.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's all great either way, Chad. We, that's, <laughs> that's too good. Before we get into this football game itself, I wanted to ask you, a hard pivot here personally about that season for you because you started all 17 games 67.4% completion 19 touchdowns just seven picks 7.7 yards per attempt 3653 yards and a passer rating of of 97.4 at a time we're getting near the 100 mark was really in the elite class and of course that was recognized by finishing second in the MVP voting that year for you so Chad with that said I've always said that sports write better scripts than any fiction possibly can, and your story is case in point with the 2008 Miami Dolphins, released by the Jets, signed with Miami, and the schedule is set up perfectly with bookend games against your new rival and ex-team, the New York Jets. Let's go ahead and start there at the beginning. What was that like for you to kind kind of get blindsided in the month of August, just one month from the season, and then wind up back in the AFC East?
1: Well, things had been uh, ramping up, so to speak, with either trade talk or release talk throughout the training camp process in the the first part of training camp with the Jets. And so although uh, you still deal with the shock factor, um, some of that had been removed because it was a little bit to be expected. And so I served eight years there with the Jets and felt like I'd given it my all and part of me was saying I probably did need a change of scenery. And so when the release happened the night before the first preseason game in Cleveland, Ohio, I was upset. I I had been having a really good training camp. I thought that our team with the Jets was going to be a playoff contender, and I wanted to be a part of that. But at the same time, I felt like the whole weight of the world was lifted off of my shoulders because it could no longer be Chad Pennington's fault uh, in New York. And so (laughs) – The next three days, I've always said I was probably the happiest unemployed man in the NFL just looking for a place to go. And fortunately for me, Miami gave me the opportunity to be a starter once again. I still had to prove myself, but at least I knew I was going into a situation that it was completely wide open. And I really relished in that fact and knew that I had a chance to be a starter once again.
0: How big of a challenge was it for you to come into, like you mentioned, a quarterback competition where you did have to prove yourself and basically learning a whole new system, a whole new scheme and like you said, four weeks' time?
1: Well, it certainly was a challenge. I was fortunate enough in being drafted by Bill Parcells uh, with the Jets in 2000, having Dan Henning as my coordinator as a rookie. As a matter of fact, I took my rookie playbook with me on the plane as I was flying down to Miami on Saturday to be with the team for their uh, opening preseason game against Tampa Bay. And so I had some familiarity, at least, with how Coach Sperano would run the program, knowing that Dan and Bill were both involved. However, there's still a lot of changes, and Tony wanted to do certain things offensively. So quarterback coach David Lee and I really started the process early Sunday morning After the first preseason game and after about two to three hours, we started at six o'clock in the morning after about two to three hours. I looked at David and I said, uh, coach, you, you want me to run with the ones tomorrow, correct? He said, yes. And I said, well, I need to be ready for tomorrow's practice. Correct? Yes. You need to be ready for tomorrow's practice. I said, well, I think instead of worrying about the logistics of the basics of the offense, let's go straight to the scripts and so from then on, I actually learned the Dolphin system through practice scripts, knowing that I had to be ready for practice. And let's just focus on the immediate goal of being ready for practice. And that's how I began to learn the, the system.
0: Right, because if you're not up to speed, then the rest of the entire program kind of has to catch up to you, right?
1: Well, what happens is what you learn quickly is that if the quarterback is not ready to practice every day mentally and physically, The offensive part of practice is horrible. It does not go well at all. Everything is dictated by the quarterback. Uh, The checks that he makes, the snap counts that he uses, the plays that he um, executes, it is all centered around the quarterback. And so for an offensive team to have success in practice and feel good about its production and improvement, the quarterback has to be ready to go.
0: And so that was the way the season began, obviously a bit of a rush to get things going. But by the end of the year, it really ended as perfectly as it could have towards the regular season finale, Dolphins and Jets playing for a spot in the postseason. And you go out there and you did what you did all year, Chad, 73% completion in that game, 200 yards, pair of touchdowns, no picks, but also the win, obviously the biggest one. That's the sweetest part. And 12 years after the fact, how sweet was that vindication for you?
1: Well, it was really sweet. And like you said earlier, it's just the way that sports would write the script. Um, The first game against the Jets was pure emotion. I probably had no business playing quarterback (laughs) because I was emotionally attached to the whole situation. No one likes to get fired, and so it never feels good. But by the end of the season, there were 16 games in between, and it was strictly about making NFL history. The emotion had subsided. And I was really excited about helping lead this young team to an AFC East division title and making NFL history going from one and 15 to 11 and five. That, that was just a fun time to be a Miami Dolphin. And for me as a veteran, it was really fun to help lead a bunch of really young players. We had six players over the age of 30 only. I was one of those six. The rest of them were really, really young. And so, To be able to provide some leadership um, and some experience to what we were trying to do was very gratifying.
0: And it did take a couple of weeks for that dream season to really get off the runway there. Tough loss in the opener, a really bad loss in Arizona week number two. And we know the story, the, the basics of the story about the Wildcat kind of getting introduced, David Lee on the team plane. But I'm curious to get your perspective because the quarterback obviously going to a package. I'm sure the offensive line was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's go ahead and do this, run the football. But from the quarterback's perspective, what was it like when you were kind of pitched the idea of this Wildcat uh, Wildcat Package?
1: Well, Wildcat was developed out of necessity. We could not run the ball very well at all in the first two games, had no success at the line of scrimmage, uh, established in the line of scrimmage in the run game or gaining any yards. And so when it was presented to me, we talked about, Hey, this was going to be a way we we're going to try to create some space in the running game. And so uh, I was not coming out of the game. I was just lining up differently. And for me, my, perspective was what's the difference in handing the ball off or just lining up at receiver and watching the play I felt like it really didn't matter if it gave us an advantage and we're going to be able to create some space in the run game then that's going to help the pass game the whole point of it though was that we had to be very efficient in the pass game for this to work because when once you line up in a wildcat formation your pass Options are limited, obviously, because the quarterback is not in the backfield anymore. So we knew that we had to be very efficient in the first and second down passing game for this to work. And uh, that week was really intense. We're 0-2. We were just blown out by the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. Now we're going to play uh, the New England Patriots coming off of their undefeated regular season and losing the Super Bowl to the Giants. Now, I do remember us having a a meeting on the field and just talking about, listen, the Patriots have just lost Tom Brady. Uh, They're going to their backup. We've got something that they will not be prepared for. This is our X factor. This is a great opportunity for us to shock the world, and we were able to do that.
0: And so getting into that game, Chad, the scoring starts, like you mentioned, kind of that first play where you actually dial up the Wildcat with two and a half minutes left in the first quarter and a two-yard touchdown run by Ronnie Brown. And this was after you had dialed up Anthony Fasano on a couple of third-down conversions. So like you mentioned, the passing game really got that whole thing going because you get into the red zone through the pass and through the air. Can you walk us through that first play, though, the first The first touchdown scored by Ronnie, Like, what was the mood in the huddle when you gave the play call, and then after Ronnie scored, what was the reaction of the Patriots' defense?
1: Well, I think the best part about the whole situation was the reaction from the Patriots' defense. Typically, when you play a Patriots' defense, and especially when we were playing the Patriots' defense, you had Rodney Harrison, Teddy Bruschi, Mike Vrabel. You had great professional football players that, normally had an answer and a call and an adjustment for everything. And I had played against the Patriots up until that point, my whole career. And so I was used to, uh, how we would play them as well as how they react to everything. And I was used to their communication and how good they were at it. And this was the first time in my career that I remember the field being completely silent, no communication whatsoever. Um, eyeballs being really, really big, Uh, jaws dropped because they had no answer with, first of all, how to line up to the formation, and then secondly, what call to make to defend it.
0: And then on the second touchdown, that was not a Wildcat play. If I recall correctly, it was just a basic pin and pull that Ronnie took it to the house again. But then you come back at the end of the first half, and Ronnie fakes the jet sweep to Ricky on this one, and do you think that was kind of the moment to go up 21-6 or maybe you broke their will a little bit?
1: Well, we certainly knew that we had them on the ropes. Uh, our defense was ex- uh, playing extremely well. We were putting pressure on the quarterback, m- making plays in the backfield, and offensively we were able to get ahead, uh, which is something that's hard to do, number one, but if you can do that in F- Foxborough, it certainly helps you. And so we were able to do that. Interestingly enough, we didn't run the Wildcat. People think we ran the Wildcat quite a bit. In that game, I believe, and you'll have to correct me, I think we ran it six times, but we scored five. (laughs) Um, And so uh, it was something that was certainly an X factor, something that really caused them to think and to make adjustments on the sideline. And now, since all of their focus was on the Wildcat formation, our regular offense started to thrive because they couldn't put a focus on that.
0: And if that moment wasn't the backbreaker, it certainly had to have been Ronnie's touchdown pass at 21-6. Five and a half left to go in the third quarter. Once again, fake the jet sweep, and he finds Anthony Fasano for a touchdown. That was the moment the game was over, right?
1: Well, what was unique about, first of all, the Wildcat formation, first of all, it really fit Ricky's running style with the jet sweep. And it fit Ronnie's running style with him being the Wildcat quarterback because as a Wildcat quarterback, you have to be patient. You can't just hit the hole once you catch the ball. You have to be patient and let the play develop because you forget that there's some time that elapses from a quarterback receiving the snap and handing it to the running back conventionally. So in a Wildcat formation, the Wildcat quarterback has to buy that time before he hits the hole. It fit Ronnie's running style perfectly. Then you add on onto that that Ronnie is left-handed. And so to be able to run a bootleg to the left, which defenses don't see a whole lot with the Wildcat quarterback, that was like the icing on the cake to say, we've got something that no one else in the league has. It fits our personnel. Kudos to our offensive staff to have the courage to install this. And then kudos to Dan Henning for trying to run it and running it successfully. And it just became something that we built energy and momentum off of. But no doubt, once we hit the touchdown pass, uh, we knew that the game was was in our hands and all we had to do was make sure we did not screw it up at that point
0: <laughs> you mentioned the left-handed running back throwing the football we had Jarvis Landry here a couple of years ago same story I remember when he first threw the through the football we were like oh we didn't we didn't know he was left-handed when did you know that Ronnie was left-handed like did it happen the first time he ran it in practice You're like oh okay I, now I realize he can throw the ball with his left hand
1: I knew he's left-handed I didn't know how well he could yeah. throw the ball <laughs> uh, and he could throw it I mean he could he could zip it and uh, had accuracy with it, knew where he wanted to go with the ball. It wasn't just a a prayer or Hail Mary type of pass. It was uh, on point. Lozano's was running a corner there on the bootleg. That's a hard pass to make on the run, and you had a running back make it rolling out to his left uh, and just throws a dime for a
0: touchdown. I joked about this before you came on, Chad, that I had traded for Ronnie Brown in my fantasy league right before that game, so I was thrilled throwing or running either Uh way. It made, made for a very good fantasy Sunday for me, but I wanted to ask you, maybe this is kind of redundant because you touched on this earlier, about not caring whether or not you're in the backfield handing it off or lining up out wide as a receiver in formation when they run the football, but there's a great shot on the broadcast version of the game of you throwing a really emphatic fist pump after that touchdown. Is that kind of... When, when, when that play call came in, like obviously you're not upset because you're destroying the Patriots right now, but when the call goes in for a running back to throw the ball, are you kind of like, hey, man, that's, that's my job?
1: Uh, I'm not. That's just not my nature. I, I, football is a team game, and if you're not excited when the team does well, you need to change sports. Sure. You need to play tennis or golf or something <laughs> like that. Uh, to me, it's all about how we do as a team. Those guys sacrificed for me every down, blocking, catching balls, doing all the little dirty things. I can sacrifice a touchdown pass for the success of our team and to win a football game. And that's that was my mindset. And uh, I just I feel like that because I had that mindset, the team bought into what we were doing from a Wildcat perspective. If I was going to be negative about the Wildcat, I don't think it would have worked as effectively because you've got – your quarterback, your leader, downplaying or being negative about part of your system that you're trying to make work and you're trying to win a game. So the whole perception is really, really important to the reality of trying to execute the Wildcat system.
0: We've got Chad Pennington here on the Drive Time Podcast with Travis Wingfield on the Miami Dolphins official podcast network on your Finns Flashback 2008 Wildcat game. And I always say... First of all, Chad, I think that that kind of leadership that you exude really played a big part in the team winning 11 of the final 14 games that year and going to the AFC East or winning the AFC East, I should say. But I always say that one of the things that was forgotten about in that game was how sharp you were. And we talked about the opening drive, getting things going through the air, but you finished the game 17 for 20, 226 yards, just on time, on target and rhythm all game long going into that week. As far as the passing game was I, concerned, did you have an idea based upon what you saw in film that you'd have a chance to kind of feast on that defense?
1: Well, always uh, when you play the Patriots, uh, you've got to be very careful of trying to take too much and be too greedy. And so early in the game, I wanted to make sure that we were able to establish some rhythm with some completions, uh, with moving the chains, really get my guys into the flow of the game and then be able to pierce them uh, vertically. And we were able to do that later on in the game, hitting some seams down the middle. I think we hit a couple of routes on the outside as well. And so it's all about rhythm and consistency as an offense and really getting everyone involved. So I knew that they would try to throw different things at us. They probably felt like they had the right matchups, their defense versus our offense, uh, considering what we had put on film to that point. So we just really needed to build one play at a time, build some momentum, build some energy. And and once we kind of got going, then we, we hit them with the Wildcat. Now we've really upset the apple cart, so to speak. And so we had them on their heels from there
0: on. And that was definitely a special game and a special season. The next week was a bye week. And then you come right back home for a game with the Chargers and you put in more Wildcat and you beat another very good football team. I'm just kind of curious with the way that season played out, because you go 0-2, 2-2, 2-4, and, uh, two and, two, two and, and then the crazy run happens where you lose one of the remaining, what would that be, uh, nine or 10 games or so. When did you really know that, OK, this team, there's something special here. We can make a run at the division.
1: Well, I think when we came back from the Denver game, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, put us, I think, around six and five, maybe. Um, I felt like, okay, we're right there. We've got a chance. I also felt like when we were two and four, after, like you said, we were two and two. We lost a heartbreaker to Houston oh, that game. on the last play of the game by <laughs> one point. And then we lost a very tough Baltimore team as well, but we were extremely competitive. Although we were two and four, we had made considerable strides. And so that Buffalo game, that next game against Buffalo, was really, really important for us to get to three and four and not be two and five so that we could have an example of our hard work. So we could see that our hard work is paying off, that we are improving as a team. And the only way you show yourself that is to win a football game. And so when we're able to win against Buffalo to go three and four, we started to build a little bit of momentum and then we came back from the Denver game. We felt really good about where we were. Uh, unfortunately, I think we lost uh, no, we lost uh, new England before then. So we were coming off of a loss, I believe. And then we, we beat uh, Denver and we're sitting there at six and five and then we rolled five straight and none of these games were blowouts. Uh, they were all really, really close, but we just had the right formula. But our formula was, and we knew everyone knew what our formula was on the team. We were going to play stout defense. Offensively, we were not going to turn the ball over to put our defense in a bad situation. And when it got to the fourth quarter, our team believed we were going to find a way to win, and we did. Uh, we were down in the fourth quarter uh, numerous times and found ways to win. And at the end of games, be an offensive play or defensive play, and that was our uh, that was our secret to success.
0: Certainly some tense moments. I remember the Seattle game, the Oakland game, that Kansas City classic in week 16 was definitely one of the more fun Dolphins games in recent memory. You did mention that Houston game. That one broke my heart, Chad, because Andre Johnson made like a 20-yard reception on, it was like fourth and 18, and he went over two defenders and pulled it down. It was like, okay, I guess he's you just got to tip your hat sometimes. But you know, at least we got back to where we won the rest of the games and, and made the playoffs and won the division. Very fun, very exciting year. Now we talk about Chad Pennington, the player, the quarterback, but how about Chad Pennington in your life right now? You're the head coach at Sayer School football team. Is that, did I say that right?
1: Correct. Uh, we were able to establish a single A varsity program in 2018 and start this program from scratch. Um, it hadn't had football since 1976, the year I was born. And so we were able to go in and start this program. We're moving into a our third year this year, full 10-game varsity schedule with the playoffs. Excited about that. Uh, and I just really love the small school environment where our student-athletes can play multiple sports. They're not forced to uh, or be pigeonholed to specialize. And so a lot of our coaches, we share athletes and um, – You know, my son is playing. My oldest son, Cole, is playing. He's a current sophomore, and I have two more sons coming up. And so it's been very challenging um, because football is about fourth on the list while you're trying to raise money for bleachers and equipment and all these different things. But at the same time, it's been very rewarding because the school and its student athletes who have never even played a sport, number one, or never played football, didn't realize what football could do for a community. And it's provided that community spirit. It's also provided a sense of brotherhood for a lot of our male student athletes that they would uh, have not experienced otherwise. And so that's been, that's been what's most rewarding.
0: Are the kids pretty, pretty well aware of your football history and your career? Like, do they give you some back and forth sometimes? Or like, you know, you're like, Hey, I could have hit that throw. (laughs) Uh,
1: They'll, they'll come up with uh, something they found on Google either to, Uh, brag about me, or most of the time, joke with me uh, yeah. about, uh, for instance, the Eminem video of me uh, dancing at practice uh, in 2010 with the Dolphins. That's one. That is one that surfaces a lot. <laughs> uh, but they love to rib me a little bit uh, about that. But at the same time, I think that uh, what's most important that they see is that I care about them. Um, that. It's, it's truly about them and their football experience and how we can use the game of football as a platform to develop them as young men. I had my time in the sun. That's over. Now I want them to shine, and that's what I focus on.
0: That's, that's really cool, Chad. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, though. You mentioned you love the small-town uh, 1A football program there. Any aspirations to maybe make a career in coaching and kind of go up the ranks?
1: I will never say never, but right now, no aspirations. I, I enjoy high school football. I grew up on a Friday night bus with my father, who coached for 30 years in high school, and so I enjoy that level. I think it's a level that you can really focus in on, uh, setting a foundation for a young man and for a young man, and and focus on them. And so that's that's what I'm going to do right now. But we'll see. Uh, I do know the grind of college. And pro coaching, it's something that I'm not really interested in. <laughs> uh, I put in that grind for yep. 11 years. Yep. And uh, my family deserves me to uh, – they deserve to have me at home and be with them, so that's what I'm trying to do.
0: That's a, per- a perfect answer. And I think we all can agree that the sooner football gets back and life gets back to normal, we're all going to be much happier and much better off. He is Chad Pennington, Dolphins quarterback from 2008 to 2010. Chad, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much.
1: You got it. Thank you.
0: And so there he goes, Chad Pennington, the Dolphins quarterback for that magical 2008 season. And of course, the quarterback for that Wildcat game. Check out the website, MiamiDolphins.com. We have a written piece on this. We're going to have video content. The chat with me and Chad was recorded video. So we'll have some of that content for you guys. And don't forget to check out the Miami Dolphins virtual draft. Sign up on Facebook today to get yourself reserved for a spot at the Miami Dolphins official virtual draft. Get yourself over there today. But as for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins on all your social media platforms. Check out the Fish Tank and Audible podcast on the official Miami Dolphins podcast network. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.
1: Williams is in. He sets up as a slot receiver. Eighth play of the drive. Now Williams will shift. Look at that. Ronnie Brown untouched for the touchdown. This is reminiscent of what you saw from Darren McFadden in the Arkansas Razorbacks over the last few years. That spread formation where you snap it to the running back. They fake the
0: reverse with Ricky Williams coming around in. Ronnie Brown just buries his head for Coach Tony Sperano.